This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Let me uh, show you here in Proverbs chapter 24. I think this is the next thing here. Go to the next slide, Jeremy, if you don't mind. Yep. Um, while it says, while none of us know the time or the manner of our passing, we know we must be prepared. And that's kind of what um, we talked about this morning and wanted to share it with you. Um, I also say this, this was kind of weird. I probably had so many texts um, mid-afternoon today and said, did you hear the news about Kobe Bryant? Uh, some of y'all, y'all seen that, Kobe Bryant, one of the best basketball players ever to live. It's a shock right now through the whole world that this guy was 41 years old, incredible uh, athlete, unbelievable competitor, uh, just... Uh, a helicopter crash that he's probably taken thousands of times, thousands of times, right? And all the details are still coming in, but people are going, wow, that's so wild. We were talking today about how we're not promised tomorrow. And here's a living, breathing example of somebody who has everything that this world could have to offer to protect himself. And yet all it takes, right, is one moment. And so while I think this is such a, a uh, horrific thing for that family to go through and pray for that family, it's a good reminder, right? We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what this afternoon holds for any of us here. And so it's something that we need to make sure that we've got all of our affairs in order. The next slide says it this way, that in an effort not to be a burden to others, but to be a blessing to others at the time of our passing, you must make preparations now. In Proverbs chapter 24, it says this, verse 3, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in an abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool, and the gate he does not open his mouth. And, and so with this, in this Proverbs section, it's talking about what does it mean for a house, for people to come together uh, and really just have an opportunity to say that your home is filled with all types of pleasant riches. And does that mean financial? Probably. But does that mean other type of riches in your house? Most definitely, right? That you're just taking care of your family and you're looking at all the blessings that God has given you. But also it says that you have wise guidance. I love that, that fourth line there. Wise guidance, you can wage your war. You can sort of have a plan. You know what you need to do. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. I love the fact that some of you over the last few weeks have said, I don't know about this, but can I seek help? The answer is yes. There's, there's people around you that can help you figure out some of these things maybe you've never had a chance to. And so we want to be able to speak uh, into wisdom and to think through that. So um, I did forget to do this in a second. Joy, uh, you were going to take uh, any kid, right, that maybe feels like they're bored to listening to Pastor Travis again. Y'all are going to go to the gym. So kids, I'm not even going to look. Yeah, Tommy, you can go. It's okay. Um, <laughs> So uh, any, any, any kid that wants to go there with Miss Joy, you're on your way, on your mark, get set, go. Uh, and she's going to go hang out in the gyms because this will kind of get boring. Okay, um, here's three considerations I want us to think through. Um, preparing for your future should include three considerations. Number one is burden. Prepare for your death in such a way that you will not be a burden on anyone else. We've talked about that a lot over these last few weeks. How can you live in such a way that you're not being a burden to anyone else? You're taking care of things so that it's not hindering someone else. Number two, blessing. Consider the wisest way to bless trustworthy people who are closest to you. As we mentioned this morning, uh, just because you are related to people does not mean that they need to be given everything that you possibly have. If you can't trust that person and you're worried it might enable them to future sin, you have to think through how much and what do you uh, give. So you, you want to be a blessing to the people that are it's trustworthy and you bless them. But also three, benefit. Include great commission giving to benefit worthwhile ministry efforts. I am always amazed that when someone uh, 
in, a, in, in any kind of situation, but once they pass, they say, you know what, part of what I'm wanting to do is to further ministry in the IMB or further ministry in my local church or further ministry with the, uh, Miracle Hill. The people say, I, I want some of that to go there. And so as you consider that, there's a lot of ways that we need to kind of process that and also have an abundance of counselors. So one of your counselors for tonight is going to be our new staff counselor, Becky Kirby. I'm going to ask Becky to come up because as we were talking through this as a staff, Becky had a wonderful story that she can bring that I think sort of helps put this to light. So can you all say good evening, Becky? Good evening, y'all. I am so excited to be here. I tell you what, when I think about my story, I think about, you know, we all go through tough times. We go through tough times. That's just the way it is. And in 2 Corinthians the first chapter, it talks about we go through what we go through and Holy Spirit ministers to us so that one day we can turn around and minister to other people the way we've been ministered to. So every time I get a chance to talk to tell my story, that is just reassurance for me that I went through I went what I went through to help y'all. I have such a, a wonderful story that I love to tell you. You see, um, I'm going to tell you about this little black book right here. See this black book? I thought it was black, but I got it out, and I think it's blue. But this little book right here is very special to me because um, I was married to a, a sweet little man named Rick. And I think that, look, is that just not tender? That is me on my wedding day many years ago and many pounds ago. Can I just tell you that? But Rick and I went to, grew up in Union, and we went to Tabernacle Baptist Church in Union. And Rick's sweet sister, Phyllis Jeffcoat, talked Rick into asking me out on a date. So <laughs> we married, we went to school. Um, he was called into church ministry, into the music ministry as a sophomore in college. So we went to Gardner-Webb together. And our first church we served after we got married was Liberty First Baptist Church. And in that church, a young girl named Joy Jackson was one of our youth and in our youth group. And her name is now Joy Emery. So Joy, is part of our youth ministry. Also, a young lady named Pat Rampy was in our youth ensemble, and her, now is na her name is now Pat Forrester. So there you go. Well, you go back a long time. But Rick was just such a wonderful, wonderful man. He was so wise. Now, um, I was raised in a, child in a home where I lost my dad when I was 11. My mother was 33 and had three children. And we had very little money. I didn't consider myself poor, but we just didn't. And I was not trained in how to take care of money. I just wasn't. But Rick's dad never let you get anything unless it was cash. Isn't that right, Phyllis? Phyllis's dad. You paid for it. And so Rick saw that example. He saw that example. Um, it was amazing because when Rick, he was such a, a man of God, when a church would come and talk to him, and he would, they would want to him to come for a call, he would never talk about what you call the package. You know what I'm saying? And so we never knew how much money they would make. And Rick said, if God wants us there, he's going to provide. And we never went to a church where we made more money. We always went down. But God was so faithful to take care of us. So when we got married, um, we, we had a little bitty house. And I needed curtains for my spare bedroom because I needed curtains. And I said, in college, I'd gotten a credit card that Travis talked about, but I didn't understand about that. And I said, Rick, we need curtains. Can I go to Kmart and buy some curtains? He said, no. He said, no. If we need curtains, we'll buy them when we can. So I hung up my long bridesmaids dresses. I was in so many dresses. So I had multicolored curtains for a while until we could afford curtains. That was just the kind of man he was. Well, 
about the mid-80s, that was in March 2nd of 20, uh, 1975, we got married. In 80, Carla was born. And in, in 85, Carla was born. And in 95, 90, Kelly was born, our two daughters. Well, before they were born, he sat me down and he said, Becky, he said, now I have this book that I filled out. And he said, I want you to know if anything ever happens to me, you have this book. I said, okay, got it. Okay, okay, thank you, Rick. And he was so organized, he would put it on the top of the file cabinet. And it was always there. We'd move houses. And he would sit down every couple of years. He'd do something in the book. He said, now, Becky, if anything ever happens to me, don't forget I got this book. And I said, yeah, yeah, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He did that all the time. And, you know, you just never think that you're going to need a little black book. Well... Um, this morning, Travis said this. He said, you're just one phone call away from your life change. Well, on, March, on June the 14th of 2002, we were getting ready to leave for our vacation with some friends of ours the next day, planning about our summer, and I got a telephone call. And a man said, uh, is this Becky? And I said, yes. He said, well, your husband's been in an accident. I said, he has? I said, can I talk to him? And I heard Rick say, tell her I can't talk to her right now. And so the man said, I'll call you back, you know, when they get him out of the car. And so they waited and waited and waited. It took him a long time. So finally, after all that, he was taken by helicopter to the Greenville Trauma Unit. And he was in the Greenville Trauma Unit for 15 days, 15 days. And on June the 29th of 2002, Rick passed away. You know, he was gone. Kelly was 12 and Carla was 16. And I was a widow. You know, never thought it, but it happened. I was a widow. God was so faithful. He was so faithful. I cannot tell you the peace that he gave me during that time. I just can't tell you. He was just so faithful. So anyway, we went through the funeral, we did that, and then somebody said, Becky, didn't Rick have a black book? And I said, well, yes, he did. So I go to get the black book, and it's not there. It's not on cabinet. And so Scott Stansel, our young minister of, of education, who had two small children who did not have a will, the week before, Rick had taken his black book to the office and said, Scott, let me tell you about my black book. And so Scott found the black book, and I opened it. I never really looked at it. And I opened the black book, and in the black book was a letter to me. It's a letter to me from my husband. And it just told me what a wonderful wife I was. And I thought, I really, this is good. So sweet. And he said in it, he said, I don't know why I'm writing this. It was a Thursday afternoon. He said, but I just feel like God wants me to write you this. Don't even know what year it's written. But he, read, he wrote this letter, and in it he said, the wills are such and such a place, the insurance policies are such and such a place, um, the um, tax records are such and such a place, you contact Steve, our banker, you contact Chuck, our accountant, you contact this person who does our taxes. Everything was right where he said it would be. Everything. Well, in March, before that, June, God has prompt, had prompted Rick to go and change his insurance. And when um, Rick died, and he came out, and he said, now, Becky, he said, I talked to Philip, and I've changed our insurance. He said, Philip asked me if I wanted to get mortality insurance on the house, but, you know, that's real expensive. That was the only not wise thing he didn't do, <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. So, but there, he was so wise, and he left us in the best shape we could be. 
and he had it all right here. It was all right here. Also in this little book was this book right here. Now it's changed a lot because now our books look like this. And you all have one. Now this little book comes from the Baptist Foundation. Okay, and what was that man's name? Yeah, it's Weldon Falal. Precious man, precious man at the Baptist Foundation who's retired now. But he had sat down with Rick at some time, who knows when, and I had this little book and it was filled out. And not all the way, because most of the stuff he'd already taken care of, but stuff about his funeral. He put who he wanted to preach. It was in there. And it said, um, coffin. He said, middle of the road. Vault. Cheap. So <laughs> when we went to the, to the um, sorry to say nursing home. Nope. When I went to the funeral home to buy that, Phyllis and the girls and I, you know, I told the guy, because they want to sell you not cheap. I said, nope. He said, cheap, we're getting cheap. You know, he was just so prepared. But this little book you have a copy of, okay? It's on your table, or there's some back there. And I want you to understand that our pastor, although, um, you know, all this about the endowment, that is so important, so important. But our heart as a staff is how are our people prepared for what's to come in all ways, spiritually. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that when Rick was a child, he gave himself to the Lord. In fact, I got a letter from a man that I never met in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, and he had given his testimony at his church. And he said, want to know how he came to know the Lord? He said, well, he said, I lived in Union for about a year and a half of my life when I was in elementary school. And there was a man named Rick, a boy named Rick Kirby, and there was just something about his life. And that man that I never met came to know the Lord later on because of my husband's witness as a child. I know he was a man of God. He was a wise man. He was um, a kind man. And um, he was prepared spiritually. He was prepared financially. He had his house in order. I'm so thankful. I wish um, there are some of you in here who knew Rick. And I want you to know that on the day Rick had his accident, on June the 14th, 2002, some of you people at Rocky Creek were at a youth camp. And Paul Fleming was leading that youth camp. And Paul Fleming and Rick and I are good friends. And when he found out that day that Rick had had an accident, he came out to your church and your youth, and he asked y'all, he asked them to please get on their knees and to pray for his good friend, Rick Kirby, who had just been in an accident. And I didn't think anything about it till about a couple of years ago. I was going through cards I still had, and I had a card with people's name that I recognized that I never knew that were people from right here in this church. So Rocky Creek prayed for us, and you didn't even know who we were. Um, I wish you could have known him. He would have been a wonderful granddaddy. He would have been such a man, so proud of his family. And I just want you to know that his heart would be to mentor young fathers to be ready for their wives. He, that's the way he loved us. About two months after Rick died, another, couple, another father in our community was killed in a, in a motorcycle accident. Two girls, about the same as Carlene Kelly. He had no insurance, he had no will. And it broke my heart, it broke my heart. So. We just want you to know that tonight, 
all this that Travis has done is for us to be wise in the things that break up families the most. If I could tell you what people come to me with their biggest stressor, it would be because of financial problems. And we just want people to be healthy and be able to serve the Lord. That's the motive. That's the motive. So let me tell you, I'm going to be asking some of y'all, do you have your little black book yet? Have you started it? Because it is such a joy to be able to stand here and minister to you guys because I had such a wise, godly husband. I could not do what I'm doing now, retired from teaching, had he not been wise then. I couldn't do it. I couldn't afford to do it. I'd still be working full time. So his wisdom is blessed me, his children, and his grandchildren, just like the word says. So thank you for letting me tell my story. There you go. So, so for that, for every person that Becky's going to counsel on our staff, it Rick's a part of that. Isn't that a neat testimony of how, how that works out? So that's a beautiful thing. Becky, thank you for sharing your story. Now we want to help you get your little black book together. I'm going to call Stephen Reagan, who works for our Baptist Foundation here in South Carolina. Can you guys welcome Stephen up here? Well, thank you so much for letting me be here tonight and to share with you. It's a privilege to go around the state of South Carolina and be uh, the Baptist Grim Reaper. Um, that's what I do. I come and do this talk to people all over, and uh, it does feel that way sometimes talking about things that are kind of unpleasant sometimes, um, death and dying, but we all know it's coming. That's why there's an urgency as a church at Rocky Creek to get the gospel out to folks because we don't know when they might meet their maker. We don't know when that day is coming. There's an urgency to that. And so there should be an urgency for us as Christians and as um, believers to be prepared for that day when it comes and be good stewards of the things God's blessed us with. I've got a quick video we want to show to you. Um, just pay attention, listen to these words, and think about what it says. When you think about it, the things that we have, when you add up all that we own, the, you know, the houses that we have, the, the vehicles, you know, if you have an a IRA or 401k, if you have some investments and in other property, when you start adding all that up, it's just simply amazing sometimes what God has blessed us with. And if we can, as churches, change that thought process of I own this, it's mine, and transfer that thought process to this belongs to God, how do I need to steward it for him? I believe it's going to have a huge impact on the way that we can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, it's interesting to me, and this next slide points out, uh, that in South Carolina, almost seven out of ten people do not have a will. And that number is still true, according to the research that we say, in churches as well. So it's not just something that, you know, there's some, a lot of non-believers out there that don't have wills. This is just true across the board. The numbers are the same. Seven out of ten people don't have a will in the state of South Carolina, which means they're going to let the state of South Carolina and the courts, the probate court system determine how their property is handed off after they're gone. You see, for most of us, the single largest financial transaction of our life occurs after we die. Now, you may be sitting there and thinking, I've looked at my checking account lately. There's not a whole lot there to be handed off. But understand that when we get paychecks and we get, we get money along the way, yes, we have to spend it and buy things, but there are things that are accumulated that we can't liquidate right now while we're alive, right? Where most of us need a house to live in, right? Most of us need some savings set aside because we don't know what expenses may come. 
And so for almost all of us, the single largest financial transaction of our lives will happen after we pass away. That's certainly true for me at 35, but most of that money comes in the form of life insurance. Being prepared for my wife and my kids if something happens to me on the way home tonight, that they're ready and they're taken care of because I'm not going to be able to produce an income for them. But we've got to make sure that we have these things ready and together. And it's just crazy to me that as believers that we are willing to sit, sit aside and not put together a document and let a court system decide how those things are distributed rather than managing those things that God has blessed us with well. Now, I think there are some reasons people kind of avoid this. One, it's because people don't really like to think about dying, Right? None of us do. It's not fun. It's not, nobody gets up in the morning, man, I can't wait to put together a will today. Man, uh, I want to commend you guys. This is a great turnout tonight for us to talk about this. Sometimes, you know, we get people, we get a handful of people at some of these events when we talk, and it, it's amazing to me because people don't want to show up because they just want to talk about it. It's not fun, right? Some people are scared to do it. When I was sitting down with my wife and we were working through our legacy plan, we recently updated ours last year. You know what? One of the things that she, she just kept putting it off, putting it off, and said, baby, we've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. She said, but honey, I'm pregnant. I don't want to do it right now, okay? You know, and uh, we said, we've got to get this done. I'm start she said, you're starting a new job. We should wait till you get settled, right? She said, you know, we're moving because we changed houses. We did all the things last year you're not supposed to do at one time. We did them all at one time together. We moved, got a new job, had a baby. She said, we just wait till we get settled in the house, and finally, I said, honey, what is it that's holding you back? What is it? And she goes, you know what? Honestly, I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. And so it was a point where I had to, as a, a husband, encourage her that this was wise and that we needed to do this to be good stewards. Because the reality is we all know it's important, but it's not urgent. For most of us, we think, oh, that's coming one day. It's important for me to do it, but in this moment, it's not urgent. And we forget the fact that we don't know when we're going to need it. I got a phone call the other week from a pastor who said, hey, listen, uh, you were at our church earlier this year, and you were talking about those wills and legacy plans and stuff. And, you know, I was really had you there for uh, the people in the congregation. I really wasn't paying attention, but I need you to get me a will today. I can't sleep till I get a will. And I said, what do you mean you need a will today? Why do you need a will today? And he said, well, my brother passed away yesterday. His brother was two years older than him. All of a sudden, what he knew was important became urgent because he was reminded of his mortality. And so I just want to encourage you, don't put this off. We've got to remember we're not promised tomorrow, and we need to have a plan and be good stewards. So let's look at what a legacy plan is. It's more than just a will. It's more than just having that document. First of all, the first part is end-of-life planning, okay? This is absolutely critical in a legacy plan. If we're going to be good stewards, do yourself a favor and have some things in place for end-of-life planning. Have a power of attorney, okay? There may be something that happens in your life that keeps you from being able to make financial decisions for yourself or medical decisions for yourself. Do your family a favor. Have a power of attorney set up, ready to go, so that someone can step in and make those decisions. So that if you're the only person that has access to certain resources, that power of attorney can then come in and take care of your family and help you through that process. Have that together. Something else, health care directives. I was a pastor for 14 and a half years, and any of you who've served on church staff, you know when you get that phone call, 
and someone's had a terrible accident, they're at the hospital, they're on life support, and family's upset, and they call you and they tell you, we want you to be here, they're calling the family in. One of the most heartbreaking things to do is to go into that room and sit across from someone who loves someone dearly, they're emotional, and they don't know, what should I do? Should I take them off these machines? Should, 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 what, should, what should be the next step? I don't know what they would want. One of the most loving things you can do for one of your family members is to tell them in advance in writing what you want. Tell them what your wishes are. It makes it so much easier on them for them not to have to make the decision because you already made the decision. So end of life is a part of that legacy plan, making sure you have that stuff together. Of course, afterlife planning, this is what you think of in terms of will, okay? Those are things that you think about, having those documents together, having things written down so that you know, uh, and so loved ones know exactly what you want when it comes to a funeral. Uh, just like the testimony earlier, those are key things that are really, really, really helpful. Making sure that you have all the documents together, policies, where they are, what you own, where it is. You know, we have this habit in our society of not talking about money with anybody, right? And it's really hard on family members when they have to go figure out what you own, okay, so they can go through the process of getting everything through probate. So make sure you have all that together in one place, organized in a black book somewhere so that you, when something happens to you, they can go and go, okay, it's this car, it's these properties, it's these insurance policies, it's these accounts that I need to check on. And those are the things that you have to have all that stuff in one place. Then third, a document execution, okay? Uh, you can do a lot of things. A lot of this stuff can be done yourself at times and seasons of your life. But it gets complex, and every situation is different. And so I can't sit here today and say this is exactly what you need to do for your financial situation because it might be different. And it is really wise to get someone who knows the laws of the state of South Carolina to look over those documents and put them in writing and execute them legally and use an attorney to do that. That's an important part of the process. And the last part is communication. You've got to tell people what's going on. You've got to tell people, hey, there's a black book. Here's what you need to know when it happens. You know, I was, uh, you know when, you, when you sit there and you go to the movies or you watch something on TV, there's always, when someone passes away, there's this reading of the will, right? And the family gets together in one room, and they, they're all nervous because they're not sure who's getting what and who's getting the cat and who's getting the dog and who's getting the house and who's getting all the money, right? And it's all dramatic and stressful. Please don't do that to your family, okay? Go ahead and tell them. Say, listen, you're getting this much money, and here's why. You're getting this property, and here's how I got it. Here's how God blessed me with it, and here's how I want you to use it for the kingdom. Here's what you're going to get. You know what, son? We're not leaving you this money because we're worried about what you're going to do with it. Because we're worried about your lifestyle. Go ahead and communicate those things. It's part of discipleship. It's part of your leadership role in the family to go ahead and share with the people you love What's going to happen ahead of time? And it creates some awkward conversations, but it's crucial. It's important to communicate those details and have them together. There's some things you've got to think about when you're thinking about legacy planning. You've got to think about who's going to carry out these wishes. And that's a matter of prayer. That's a big decision. Who is going to be my lifetime health and financial representative if something happens, I'm in a coma and I can't do anything or speak on my behalf? Who's going to do that? You've got to prayerfully think through that. And you've got to have a couple of backups. 
Because, listen, if, if i married to my wife and my wife and I are out on a date and we get, you know, in an accident and something happens and she's my health care directive, which she would be, right, in this situation, but we're in the accident together, there's got to be someone else that's going to do that if she can't. Okay, so you've got to really pray through who these people are. You've got to think about that afterlife representation, the personal representative, who's going to actually probate the will. And for a lot of people, that's a difficult decision. You've got multiple kids, you've got multiple family members, and you've got to decide who's the one that's going to do this. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. Some of you, and this happens every single time I go speak somewhere, come up after me afterwards, I don't have anybody to probate my will. So you've got to prayerfully figure out, is there somebody else you know, somebody in your Sunday school class, somebody in your small group? Maybe you want to let someone like the Baptist Foundation come in and do that, and we do that for folks as a ministry to folks where we probate their wills for them. You've got to have somebody that takes care of all this documentation for you. You've got to think about children. I've got three kids at home. I've got a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old, okay? So our house is crazy. And I've got to think about who's going to care for these kids. But not only who's going to care for them, but who's going to care for them in such a way that they meet Jesus? Who's going to make sure they're in church? Who's going to make sure they're hearing about the gospel? Who's going to raise them in a way that they understand the hope that my wife and I know through Jesus? You've got to think about who's going to care for that money that's set aside for them. Sometimes the person that's raising them and the person that's taking care of the money aren't necessarily the same person, and they may not need to be. There's a lot of matters for prayer that you really have to think through about who's going to take care of these things if you can't take care of them. But, of course, one of the things we're always thinking about is where does this money go, right? Where's my estate going to go? And one of the answers I hear all the time is, well, I'm just leaving everything to my wife, and if my wife's not here, everything's just going to my kids. And my friends, that is what our American culture tells us is the proper way to handle the money that God has left us. But understand, as biblical stewards, and I think you heard some of this this morning, that may not be the wisest thing to do. Of course, the Bible tells us that a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So certainly, all of the things that we own, certainly we might want to consider blessing our children. And uh, children's children, as it's mentioned, might mean that we want to bless our grandkids as well, those of us who have them, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that they should get all of that money, and it certainly doesn't necessarily mean that they should get all of that money at one time. My daughter is six years old, and if she got her third, if we were just dividing it out in thirds of our estate, if we passed away soon, she would spend it all on bubblegum, okay? Okay. I promise you, she would not have a tooth in her mouth from chewing all the bubble gum that she could get her hands on. So part of our estate plan is to make sure someone else is managing that money for her until she gets older in life and more mature so that she doesn't spend it all on bubble gum and she has some money left over to go to college with and maybe put a down payment on a house, right? There's a process that's got to be there. And so we've got to make sure she doesn't spend that all away. Some of you have some situations, some people in your family have some special needs that you need to help take care of. Maybe some of you have some special needs children that are going to outlive you, and there's going to be some special situations that you've got to put some money aside for. Um, some of you are going to leave some money to your school, education, scholarships. Those guys are going to call you. As you start getting to a certain age, they're going to start calling you and asking you for money. And one of the places we don't, think about a lot and gets left out as ministry and missions. And my friends, what we want you to do at the Baptist Foundation is just to simply pray about what should this look like? What should that division be? 
what's a healthy amount of money for our kids to get that can be a blessing in their life and help them go forward? And the reality is, is that you don't have to divide up all these things equally. You see, my mom told me a long time ago, equal is not always fair, right? Because it's not. There's certain situations, you know, in, 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 our, in our life, there's, there's a, a one member of our family that's going to need ongoing medical care. One of my siblings, after my parents are gone, you know what? They need more money for that than I do. Why? Because they can't go out and work a job to get that care. And so my parents are leaving them more money. And that's actually fair that they're doing that, even though it's not equal to me. And so it really becomes a matter of prayer to think about where these things are going to go. You also have to think about when will those resources be given? Are they going to get it all at once? Not my six-year-old. She's going to buy bubble gum, right? No. Is it going to be done over time? Or, you know what, am I going to give, if I'm going to give to charity, if I'm going to give to Rocky Creek, am I going to give it in such a way that it's going to be invested till Jesus returns so that it can have an impact forever, right? Until Jesus comes back, it can have this impact. It's going to be invested and endowed. You've got to think about when that money is going to go and what it's going to look like. And, and those are some big, important decisions that you really have to think about when you're putting together a legacy plan. I want to give you a couple of scenarios. It just helps us kind of flesh out what this looks like and uh, as you're thinking about putting these things together. So in this scenario, number one, uh, this couple prayed about they got three kids, right? What are they doing? They're giving 30% to their firstborn, 30% to their secondborn, 30% to their thirdborn, right? And 10%, it says, is going to charity, Okay. The good news is they're members at Rocky Creek, and so they're going to give that 10% to missions and ministry, and they've got a $2 million estate, and uh, so Rocky Creek is going to be putting $200,000 to good use for the kingdom, right? Their kids are also going to get blessed in the process too, right? And so that was their decision. That's what they prayed through as they were getting it. The second scenario is a little different. This is a very popular scenario. If you have anybody um, from a college calling you and asking you for money, a lot of them will show you this scenario because they really like this scenario. And so I think churches should like this scenario too, right? And they say, listen, you got three kids. Why don't you just make a fourth kid called Charity, right? All right? So you're just dividing it up 25% to each of the three kids and then 25% to that charity, right? And so in this case, if this person's going all in charity-wise to the church and they had a million-dollar um, estate altogether, they're going to give $250,000 to the church, right? That's the process. That's what it looks like. So those are a couple of different ways. There's even some other scenarios, and you can dream these up a million different ways, right? Uh, and I can't get into all of the pieces, but people have to really think through their individual scenario and see what it looks like, right? Because, you know, at some people, there's at least probably one person in this room, based on statistics, maybe two, that has a net worth that's going to be taxable, a portion of it, when they pass away. It's a pretty high limit right now, but of course the government's subject to change taxes, right? And so they have to consider how are we going to put this money and give it in such a way that all of this money doesn't go into an estate tax, right? So they have to think through those things. It's really important to sit down with a planner. If you have an IRA and it's taxable and you say, you know what, I think it's a good idea. I'm going to leave the IRA to my kids and I'm going to give my house to Rocky Creek, okay? It's a really, really, really bad mistake if those are worth about the same thing, okay? So pretend it's a $250,000 house that you're giving to Rocky Creek and a $250,000 IRA, 
what's going to happen is your kids have to pay taxes on that IRA in order to use that money. And the church, of course, doesn't have to pay taxes on the house or anything along those lines because it was given outright. If you flip them, give the IRA to the church, the church doesn't pay taxes on the IRA, right? The kids don't pay taxes on the house to get the house. So it's really important to have somebody come alongside you and to think through those issues and think through what those things are. And those tax laws are ever-changing. You've got to bring some people in the room that have some knowledge, that really know what's going on. Because as of last year, your kids would have had a long time to pay those taxes on that IRA. But as of December 31st, it's changed. They now have 10 years to pay those taxes. Okay? So it really changes really quickly. And you've got to put some smart people in the room. You don't want a former pastor planning your legacy, okay? You don't want me to sit in the back with a will document and get out my notary stamp and put it together. Why? Because I don't have all of that information in front of you. You want to bring some people along that really know what they're talking about so that they can look at your individual scenario and give you some really, really, really good wisdom. So I want to talk about what it looks like to put this together, okay? And uh, we're going to do this very quickly. As a minimum first step, if you don't do anything else, take this book home and start filling it out, Okay? You heard a testimony tonight as to why this is important, okay? Begin to organize this stuff. Put it together. Plan for your family. As a minimum first step, start listing the things that, that you have, where they are, where those accounts are. For a lot of us, when I, when I started filling this thing out, I started looking and go, whoa, I thought I was broke. <laughs> but I wasn't thinking about my house, and I wasn't thinking about my retirement, because at 35, I can't use the retirement, Right? But as I started looking at those things, wow, God's blessed me with some things here. And I wasn't thinking about the life insurance. Why? Because I don't get that money, right? The life insurance only comes to fruition if something happens to me. And I started listing out all these things, and my estate was a lot more than I thought it was. And then I realized, you know what, I really need to do a little bit more than this book, right? And so for some of you, you've got some people on your team. You've got some people that they support you. They know your individual situations. You've got some accountants. You've got some attorneys. You've got some people you work with that, uh, that ha really know your numbers, and they can help you put together a legacy plan. If you don't have that, we have a process where we can help come alongside you, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, you can sign up for a state planning service tonight. Travis is going to tell you about that, I believe, later, and what that will look like and how you can sign up. We come alongside people that are part of Southern Baptist Churches to provide a legacy planning service. I'm going to walk you through what that looks like and tell you why we do it. Um, first, you can sign up tonight, then you'll get a phone call uh, within a couple of business days from one of our estate planning um, people. They're out of Colorado. These guys know this stuff backwards and forwards. They know all of the things that you need to think through, and uh, they'll just set up an appointment over the phone and uh, schedule that first appointment, and while they're scheduling, you get that first date. It's usually about a month out because they get a lot of people kind of going through the process, but you get an appointment on the books. And then while that's happening, you start gathering the documents, all right? Start getting some stuff together. Kind of know what you have. And then you have a next phone call with the planner, and they start asking you, okay, what is it you want to do? What are you wanting to give? Who do you need to take care of? What, what kids do you need to provide for? Um, do you have these things ready? Uh, when I was sitting down with our planner, the planner asked us on the phone. My wife and I were on a conference call. I was in another county doing some work for a church, and I took a break. We were taking this phone call. And uh, he says, so uh, when you pass away, uh, do you guys already have grave plots? And I said, nope, we don't have that, and I'm not worried about it. We want to do this as cheaply as possible and put as much money to ministry. And my wife on the other end of the phone said, whoa, 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 whoa hold up. 
And I said, what are you, what, what's wrong, honey? She said, oh, we have grave plots. I said, what are you talking about? We have not bought grave plots in the 11 years that we've been married. She goes, oh, honey, uh, the day we got married, the day after, my Nona, my grandmother, went and bought us plots right beside the rest of the family. I learned something in the planning process that I was going to be buried somewhere. I had no idea I was going to be buried. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to be with Jesus. But the estate planner brought something up that we needed to know and have in the documents that we didn't have and I didn't even know about that had something happened to my wife and I and my, my, my parents had been in charge of it, they would not have known if someone had not told them that we had some plot somewhere, right? So there's a lot of important questions. You'll have a bunch of phone calls kind of back and forth. And in between those, at the end of every phone call, they schedule the next phone event and they ask you to spend some time in prayer and commit to thinking through what this is going to look like. Because there's some things to pray about. you got to pray about who these people are that are going to take care of this stuff. you got to pray about who's going to take care of my kids. How am I going to leave this money in a way that it points them to Jesus if I'm not here? Then, after all that's done, they send that stuff to a local attorney to execute the documents here in South Carolina according to South Carolina law. Now, for those of you who know anything about attorneys, you understand that attorneys charge by the hour, right? Okay, that's how they make their money. What we do is we come in with a plan for you and sit it in front of an attorney and say, this is the plan, make sure it off matches South Carolina law and let's put it together, which brings down the hours dramatically and saves you a lot of money, okay? That's a big win in this process. And then you gotta, after you execute, you gotta review it periodically. Things change. Things change in life. Documents change, accounts change, what you own changes. Sometimes circumstances change. Sometimes people that you have appointed are no longer people that are qualified in your life to do these things for you. And you've got to update these things and review them periodically. And so we provide this service to people in churches around the state as long as they will prayerfully consider giving a portion of their estate to a Baptist cause like Rocky Creek or the IMB or the cooperative program. And uh, you don't have to give it all. We don't ma mandate, man mandate a certain percentage of what you have to give in order to get this. But if you will give a portion to a Baptist cause, we pay for this service for you. And it's a great way for you to get these things taken care of. But at the end of the day, don't let it just be important but not urgent. Make it something that you're like, you know what, i got to do this. I may not want to. It's not going to be fun all the time. It's not something I want to think about, but make sure you do it. God's blessed you. God's given you resources. Be good stewards and make sure you have everything in order so that when it happens, because it's not if it happens, when it happens, you're prepared. Travis? Stephen, this was super helpful. Did that help everybody? Make sense? Great job. Wonderful, wonderful. So Stephen's going to be here for a little bit, um, and I just want to, re to remind you about what he said there. So um, we have scheduled, I think Jeremy scheduled, that there's a, the sign-up goes live at 7.15. Is that right? You, you timed this perfectly, Jay. Okay, good. Um, and so what's going to happen here is, um, so if, if you would like this, just want to make sure you understood this, that this can set some of you guys out. You can take this as a guide, and you can do this on your own, and you can get it through a lawyer and whatnot. But what he's saying is, and some of you know this, that lawyers have billable hours. And I was talking with somebody recently who spent $1,500 just getting their will together, okay? $1,500 getting their will together. I shared that with somebody, and someone else said, that's cheap. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, so what this group will do, because of us 
you know, being a part in there with the Baptist Foundation, just to make sure you understood this, that if you have, say, that a just simple portion of what you're wanting to give would go to something like the International Mission Board or your church membership or anything like that, what's going to happen is they take care of, I'd say, getting the ball down 85% of the field. Is that fair? They're going to take care of all that and get you to where the documents are there, and then you will go on your own spot and say, now I'm going to get this official, look through a lawyer to go from there, but at that point you're not talking about nearly as long. And so uh, what's neat about what also the, um, I want to also clarify, because when our staff was talking about this, it's interesting. So um, let's just imagine at some point that uh, you're saying, okay, I'm a, I'm a member at Rocky Creek, but at some point if, if God moved you somewhere else and you went to go live with family somewhere in Nebraska, okay, you go, do I have to change my will every time? One of the things I think is really smart about this is that you can actually say in your will that I want my state, if it's going to a contribution somewhere, that I want it to go to the place that my current membership is once I die. And it's at the Baptist Foundation. And so what will happen there is that whenever you pass, they will contact the Baptist Foundation and say, well, we'll figure out where, where all that is. And so if you were with your family at another church, or you can update it as long as you want to, but it's a way that you don't have to change it every time if, if life moves you somewhere. Does that make sense? So you can set some of those things up, and just for them, they'll take care of that cost because of some generous people who believe in this that can say, we'll let that be a service to you if you're just saying we're going to give some portion of that to a uh, Baptist ministry, which is a really, really neat thing to do. Um, when Stephen and I were first starting to talk, and I w I'd heard about his job change and what he was doing, I sort of told him some of the stuff that we were talking about as a church, and he said, well, let me tell you what we do. And I thought, wow, I love it when there's stuff like this. <laughs> so we're going to reinvent the wheel to do this to help out with people, and so that th this service is there. It's available for you. And one of the things that was funny, he said, he said, Trav, he said, you won't believe this. He said, you, you probably wouldn't imagine how many people in your church don't think about giving and funding Great Commission work in their will. And I said, you'd be surprised that their pastor hasn't thought about that yet. <laughs> um, because when, when we were a few years into our marriage, the, the thing we didn't want to go with was what, what happens to our children. That, that was the agonizing discussion, right? And they're just thinking about what are you doing? And you do that and for us to step back. So, so it's so helpful for us to go back and now, okay, let's think through the whole thing, right? And to see, see where that's at. So uh, hopefully this helps a ton, at least gets you a direction to start going. Um, I will say this, if, does this seem overwhelming to some of you? Because some of it's like, well, there's a lot of stuff to do here, right? Take it a little bit at a time. Just start the process. Just start going through that. And once again, so if you sign up, there's a registration thing on our, our website. And so the reason we did that is we want you to be able to sign up. And so it's not like you're just calling us and then some random person from Colorado calls you and you're like, is this a scam? We're going to make sure, because that happens, does it not? <laughs> We're going to make sure you know we've submitted this, and this organization is going to call you in a couple of days. So you, you know, and then we, we step out of it. We just want to make sure, especially for a lot of times there's a lot of scam, especially for the senior adult um, community, that we want to make sure that everybody's protected in that. So that's the reason why we're going to go through that, and then we'll step out just to connect those people together, and then we'll step out. So um, what we're going to do is uh, I'm, I'm going to pray. I think Stephen's going to be available here until your wife calls and says, come help me with my three kids. Um, so which might be soon. Um, but, uh, but once again, here's the thing that I, I would really encourage. You know, we're finishing up this financial proverb series next week, but we're not going to have everybody's situation fixed by next week, right? 
So hopefully this is a catalyst to get you thinking about some things and you and your spouse and or what how your family thinking through this for the next few months and just start working at it little bit by little bit. We have a lot of financial courses that are going to be offered throughout the year too to help you get some things underneath you. We just want to make sure that this is an issue that once again, not a burden to anybody, but how can we be a blessing to everybody? Amen? Make sense? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, Becky's just incredible testimony. Uh, we thank you for Stephen coming and spending his time. We thank you for the gift that the Baptist Foundation is to help people walk through this. We thank you for people who are generous with uh, their giving so that people like us could benefit from that and, and go further and faster down this road to prepare. Uh, Lord, we want our lives to be a blessing to others. We want uh, our legacy to be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, as uh, a church, I just pray we can help one another. It's important things for us to think through and, and to process. And, um, God, we're just thankful that we know where our security is, and it's in heaven. It's in Jesus. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we also want to prepare as many as we can and to bless as many as we can and to further the gospel ministry. So just, Lord, help us be wise in these coming days to get these matters uh, in order for all those around us. Uh, give us wisdom, give us diligence, and continue to allow us to apply every aspect of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.